Welcome to New Destiny Christian Center's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Teresa Verdecchio. If you want to find more information about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com. And some of the things that I began to, uh, to realize is that I can, I can see that people, um, you're doing what we've taught you to do. You're implementing it. That this trial or this pandemic is giving you an opportunity to work the word. Because as pastors, you teach the truth and you, and you uh, give principles. And it's so easy to think because we go to church, we know those principles, and we live those principles. But the thing about God is he will use a circumstance to help us to implement the truth, to get the word working for us. We always say the word works for those who work the word. And um, all six people in here are shouting me down tonight. <laughs> Thank God for our, our, uh, our production crew. Amen. We appreciate them and bless them, which I was thinking about them too. We have uh, uh, four millennials. You know, and sometimes I think millennials get a bad rap in society, and then they even get blamed for Generation Z on some things. And I love millennials. You know, I birthed a couple and adopted, adopted a millennial. But, you know, they could be home doing Hulu and um, Netflix, but they're really helping carry a load in this time. And so I just wanted to uh, bless them. And um, really, that's something that I've observed as well because they're rare in their generation. So we so appreciate them. But this uh, pandemic or this trial is giving us an opportunity to work the word. And that's the one thing that I've observed and that I've noticed is so many of you are implementing the truth that we have taught you. Things like prayer and the word, reading the word. Pastor says it all the time, stay in prayer, stay in the word. You know, you're doing things like worshiping on your own, which wasn't uh, tonight's worship spectacular. I trust and we do pray that the presence in the sanctuary fills your living room uh, each and every time. But uh, you're, you're fasting. Many people that I'm, I'm talking to, they're, they're doing some form of fasting because when they try to get off their fast, the Lord is calling them into a fast. And so you're being sensitive to the heart of God. Uh, you are, uh, are witnessing. There's opportunities to witness. And so as we often say, go into all the world and preach the gospel, you're obeying Matthew 28 and Mark 16. And you're giving. You're being faithful to continue to give. And so that's just kind of like the ponderings of a pastor's heart. I was observing those things and thinking about them, that you're staying in prayer and worship and you're fasting, you're, uh, you're uh, witnessing, and you're giving. And those are uh, becoming your disciplines. They're becoming uh, weapons in your armory that you know work for you, not because you're being taught that, but because you're taking those tools and you're applying them in a difficult time. And so you're learning, you're growing, and you're maturing. And I believe that uh, when we come back together as a corporate body, that we're going to be a strong church. We're going to be a little more, uh, living a little more soberly, so to speak. Not that I'm calling any of you drunks, amen. We'll just uh, help you get free from that in Jesus' name. But the Bible says that the grace of God has appeared to teach us to live soberly and righteously in this present age. That's what Titus tells us um, through the Apostle Paul. And so I, I believe that something great is going to happen when the church comes back together because there's going to be a different temperature. Now, there is a revelation of all the wonderful uh, Facebook televangelists that were birthed overnight. God bless them. 
And uh, everyone has their revelation of how we no longer need the church and how we no longer, you know, we can just worship Jesus in our quiet place and so on and so forth. Now, that is in and of itself absolutely true. But how many of you know um, that to a coin, there's how many sides, right? There's two sides. And so, yes, we do worship the Lord. We are the temple. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. We can worship Jesus any place, any time. Hopefully you were doing that before you had to go inside your home. But there is something, please do not miss the point, that God created what he calls the ecclesia. And uh, it is the gathering together and the calling out of people to become a literal church, a corporate gathering, so to speak. A corporate gathering was God's idea. In fact, when he created the people, when he created the Jews from Abraham and his seed, he brought forth the Jewish people. And from the Jewish people, he made a corporate people. That's what that 400 years of slavery was all about. They just kept growing and blessing and multiplying to the point that when they tried to destroy the babies, what would the midwives, who was, they were saving the babies, what would they tell Pharaoh when they were, they were getting in trouble? They would say, the Hebrew women aren't like us. They'll have their babies before we can get there. And because there was a strength on them in childbearing, they were producing children, which was obeying the principle that God had originally given Adam. But God was creating a people, and he was multiplying them. And then in one moment, as we just finished celebrating Passover, and, and everything that represented. In one moment, God took his church, his ecclesia, his called out ones, and he marched them out of bondage and into a promised land. And so please do not go, um, you know, and get all weird in your doctrine and go, well, we can just have online church. I'm not even, this is not even my notes, all right? I'm just kind of setting, setting some things up. I'm trying to be a real sweet teacher tonight, okay? That's why I saw pastor have them get their notepads and their pens, all right? But one more thing, I just don't want you getting like really weird in your doctrine, all right? That the ecclesia, the called out one, the church, the corporate body of Christ, it is the body of Christ. He's coming back for a bride of Christ. If you are a finger in the body of Christ, he didn't say that, uh, that, that we are the finger of Christ, all right? It takes all of us together. He says every joint supplies, that he calls men and women from everywhere, every tongue, nation, and tribe, and that every joint supplies, and he builds the church, and we all have gifts according to the Spirit, according to different administrations, as the Spirit wills. God brings together a bunch of people and he creates his church. He gifts them. He endows them with grace so that we could operate in the gifts of the spirit while demonstrating the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And together we do the work of God in the earth as a collective corporate body of Christ because we are the bride of Christ and it is the universal church of Jesus Christ, not a universal church. Do not misunderstand me. The universal church of Jesus Christ, which is the bride of Christ that he shall return for without spot and wrinkle and he purifies us now I will just submit to you I think it would be the easiest thing in the world that me and Jesus could just stay in my prayer room I would never have any problem because I would never have a challenge I wouldn't have to walk in love I wouldn't have to forgive I wouldn't have to be patient I wouldn't have to be loving and kind because I kind of like myself after many many years I might add and I get along with myself pretty good now so I just think it would be so easy but I would also be deceived because I would think I was long-suffering I would think I was patient I would think I was so loving I would think that I was tolerating uh, in people's behavior. I would think all kinds of things because I would be deceived because I would just be hanging out with me and Jesus, which is really no different than floating on a cloud and plucking a harp. All right.
I'm preaching now, right, baby? Woo! Preaching good in Jesus' name. Everybody's saying, oh, well, just the church needs to be the online church, and people need to stop crying about meeting, and people saying they're addicted to church, and they realize that they didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm like, hello, I pastor? Very few people are addicted to church, so let's just correct that lie and kick it out right now in Jesus' name. Now, you could probably say my husband and I were addicted because we're here all the time, and a few people that work here, it's our job, it's our life. I would do this regardless. It's what I've done my whole life, and so please understand that, but here's the thing let's just get all the churches online and then it's amazing how there were hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of churches that all had problems and they couldn't get the word out out online because there were glitches and there was buffering and and things just didn't work and operate I'm sorry I don't think all of that is an accident it's ways to be controlled. But here's what I say, that there is no way that the church of God will be controlled. The, uh, Jesus said, I will build my church upon this rock, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a corporate gathering together of people. It is the power of the church that invades hell, that plunders hell, and populates heaven. And so please do not be deceived in this hour that we're going to allow people who are not even spiritually discerned, who are not even spiritually alive, to dictate to us how the church should be and what the church should be after 2,000 years. The church is in your home. Well, the, if you really study that out, there were people in the home. And history says more than 10. All right. I think I'm done. Victoria's in the back like, I hope you're not done. Go, pastor. All right. So that's my observations from a pastor. I think you're doing amazing. I, I see you growing. I just want to make sure you don't get like, you know, Facebook indoctrinated. All right. The Bible says this. You have to have the whole counsel, the whole counsel of the word of God. Don't just shine one side of the coin. Flip that coin over and make sure you have the understanding of both sides in Jesus' name. All right, let's talk about the pandemic that's going on. Everybody still love me out there? Six people do in here. I hope you do at home. But guess what, folks? When you get real secure in Christ, you can sleep at night whether people like you or not because the Father loves you. Amen? But I do appreciate your love, and I love you too. All right, I looked up the definition of a pandemic. That's all that you hear about. That's all you think about. If you do try to watch uh, television, that's, that is a 24-7 incessant conversation. When you're trying to read anything, you can't read anything without the word pandemic going on, you know, discussing COVID-19 and the coronavirus. And, you know, and as I always say with a measured statement, of course, this is, you know, would be expected because of everything that we're going through through not only as a, as a country, as a continent, but also the continents of the earth. And so I looked up pandemic, and it talks about pandemic of disease. This is the definition. Prevalent throughout an entire country, continent, or the whole world. An epidemic over a large area. Pandemic. And with pandemic, there's also a, a panic that begins to take place. Take out a couple letters and pandemic, and you have the word panic. And so as I was thinking about this, I said, God, speak to me about pandemic. What do you see and what do you say? So, so this was uh, what he gave me last night. If you uh, saw it somewhere else, then he's, you know, one spirit, whatever. You may have seen this somewhere else, but God is my witness. This is what he gave me in my prayer room last night. So what I want you to do is write out this sentence, pandemic. 
powerful anointing needed during every moment in COVID or in crisis or in Corona, you get to choose your C. I'll say that again. Powerful anointing needed during every moment in COVID, crisis or Corona, you choose your C. And if you'll notice that the beginning of every word spells pandemic. So I started paying attention to that. Powerful anointed needed during every moment in COVID-19 or crisis or Corona. All right, now go ahead and do pandemic um, vertical. First line P, second line A. The moms are like, but I homeschool all day. I don't want to do this. Just work with me. And we're going to write out what each of these names mean. Not really what they mean, but what they mean in this sermon. Okay, uh, it's going to be the same thing. First, the P is powerful. It's going to say the same thing as your sentence. Powerful. Second one, anointing. N, needed. D, during. E, every. M, moment. I, N, C. Pick your C. COVID crisis or anointing. All right, because I'm going to later on give you what I believe these points are going to help you with in this time. Amen? All right, so powerful anointing needed during every moment in this crisis or, or uh, this COVID-19. I'm going to personally call it a crisis because I believe that it's causing many crises. All right, um, but we're going to go to Isaiah 10, 27 because I couldn't help but think about anointing because he said powerful anointing. Isaiah 10, 27, I'll be reading from the ESV. It says, and in that day, his burden will depart from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be broken because of the anointing. Or another version says because of the fat. I believe it's the King James that says that the anointing shall destroy the yoke. The anointing shall destroy the yoke. So uh, when you think about the, the anointing, a lot of people are like, well, what is the anointing? Sometimes uh, you get real mysterious uh, definitions. Well, it's the presence of God. It is the anointing that destroys the yoke. It is the, you know, the anointing. It is the, and I'm like, now let's break this down. What is the anointing and, and where does it come from? For one, to be anointed, there's a couple meanings, but the one that I'm going to look at right now means to be smeared or rubbed with oil. It is a New Testament Greek word, uh, Cairo, C-H-I-R-O. But let's look at the, anoint, uh, the origin of anointing. It was really a, a, a practice of the shepherds. See, lice and other insects, they would get into the wool of sheep. And this, there's a lot of things you can pull from this example, by the way. When they got near the sheep's head, uh, they would often burrow and go into the sheep's ear, and it would result in killing the sheep. Could you imagine lice and bugs or insects, but lice getting down in your ear? Just the sound on the inside of your head would drive you crazy, right? It would drive you nuts. Well, these insects would literally kill the sheep. So the ancient shepherds, their practice was they would pour oil all over the sheep. And it would, uh, it would cause the sheep to be slippery, making it impossible for insects to get in the sheep's ears. They would slide off. So the anointing uh, became symbolic of blessing, protection, or empowerment. 
So the anointing from the shepherd would be all over the wool. And it would prevent that stuff from getting in the ear. See, it is the anointing that will keep you from the stuff getting in your ear. The lies of the enemy or, or that thing that gets deep down on the inside of you. Uh, staying with this thing. The, uh, we know that in Acts 10.38, one of my favorite scriptures, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. But before Jesus really started his ministry and before he really came on the scene, we have that picture of, in Luke 4 of, of Jesus after the 40 days and 40 nights of fasting when he was uh, tempted by the enemy and he, and he beat the devil on all levels, spirit, soul, and body, that after he did that, he left the 40 days of fasting. Remember, he was led there in the wilderness by the Holy Spirit after his baptism in the Jordan. And so after he defeats the devil, spirit, soul, and body on all levels, the spirit, because the devil wanted his worship, his soul, hey, turn these stones, you know, turn the stone to bread. And some of you wish you could do that on day 18 of an abstinent fast, right? And then he, uh, he defeated him on his soul because Jesus, uh, Jesus would not jump from the pinnacle when the enemy took him up there. And remember, it says that the devil left him, and then he was looking for a more opportune time. And we find that opportune time in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was, when he was torturing him there. But after, after uh, he defeats him, spirit, soul, and body in the wilderness experience, Jesus begins his ministry. He returns, the Bible says, in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And that reports began to go out about him because he began to teach in the synagogue. And they would say that he teaches as one with authority. He's not like the scribes and the Pharisees. This man has authority. There's something different about them. Well, what was different about him was the anointing because another word for anointing uh, means chosen one. He was chosen by God. And so you have Jesus. He goes into that synagogue. And I was at the place where they believed that this, this took place and and. and, and he opened it up and he found Isaiah and from Isaiah he began to read this portion of scripture and we find it in Luke 4 18 and 19. It says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty all those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then it says he took the scroll of Isaiah, he rolled it back up and he put it where it belonged and he went and he sat down and the eyes of everyone was upon him. Because I'll tell you what, when you get the oil of God on your life, when you get the anointing of God on your life, when God smears his presence all over your life and you become a chosen one, people will look because they'll know that your teaching's not like the other religions. It's not like those that are religious, but there's something with power that can destroy a yoke. There is an anointing that things happen and shift and move and change when you begin to speak. So here we have Acts 10.38 that says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. But when you go back, you see the origin of how did he get that anointing. 
It was in a time even of crisis. It was in a time where he was in a spiritual battle. He was there. He was praying and he was fasting and he was overcoming his own flesh, his own soul. His spirit was subject to God. He already had the loyalty test set. He knew he was going to worship and love the Lord God only and he had he had passed those tests and from that the anointing of God came upon him and even Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me and one of the things he said he was anointed to do was to heal those that were oppressed to set them free or to make them at liberty. And so we see this in the word of God, that this is the plan of God. So in the midst of uh, a pandemic, the Lord speaks to me about this local body, about NDCC, the people that call this place home, that in the midst of a pandemic, he's doing a work within each of us so that we will emerge an anointed people. Jesus said we wouldn't be left alone in the middle of this. John 14 16, he said that when he leaves, he will give us another helper, another comforter. That's where he gave us the Holy Spirit. And we know that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he, he, he baptizes us with boldness to become a witness. I believe that the Lord, while he's dealing with this church, while, while we're in repentance, because I don't know anybody that's talking to me that is not repenting and doing some things. In fact, yesterday, somebody who does not attend here, but they are a sister in the Lord, and they, they, they had to take the day off, and they were just in their house, and they were weeping and they were crying and they said I know I'm forgiven I know that when God the father sees me he sees me through the blood of Jesus I know I'm righteous I know I'm forgiven but I am weeping and I'm crying over the the things she said I'm just grieved I'm so grieved at how I have offended the heart of God and then I text back and said welcome to the difference between forgiveness and repentance See, according to 1 John 1, 9, that any time we sin, the Bible says that we have an advocate with the Father who is faithful and just, that if we confess our sins, he'll forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But the book of Acts tells us that there is repentance that is granted, that I believe God must grant us repentance. I believe that he must be willing to kind of open up his heart and show us his heart and what about us grieves his heart. Why does he want his bride to repent? So that he can come close, so that there can be intimacy, so that there can be fellowship. But this whole reason that he is doing this thing to cause us to repent so that we can emerge with anointing upon our life so that we can, when we come back, truly harvest the lost. Harvest the sons and daughters. We see again this, uh, this concept and this idea in 1 John 2, 20, where it says, for you have an anointing, for the Holy One abides in you. He has anointed you. Again, 2 Corinthians 1, 22, 21 and verse 22. Now he who establishes us with you is in Christ and has anointed us is God. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who has also sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You cannot buy an anointing. You can't pretend like you have an anointing. I often pray, God, would you give me a captivating anointing so that I can catch the souls of men and women. He wants us to understand the purpose for the anointing. 
It's not to look good. It's not so you can have a following. It's not so you can be popular. It's not any of these things. In fact, a real anointing on your life, you will probably work a lot. Why? Because so few people are anointed and so many, uh, so few are anointed for the amount of need is probably a better way to say it. And so many people, they want freedom. They will seek out an anointing. Why? Because people want freedom. They are desperate and they need something and someone that knows how to connect with the power of God to destroy the work of the devil off their life. I believe he wants us to emerge as soul winners. Not that, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I have to witness. No, no, no. It's just like pastor said about tithing. We get to witness. Has your heart not been stirred to pray the prodigals back? The Bible says that Jesus shall return when the fullness of the Gentiles come in. That, that the Jews will then begin to see Jesus as Messiah when the fullness of the Gentiles come in. I'm like, Father, I got a few out there. Let them come in. Let all the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Let the prodigals come home. Give them eyes to see and ears to, ears to hear and cause the fear of the Lord to enter them. Cause her to be understanding. Let them not delay. Let them not procrastinate. But let them know the time of the Lord. May the intercession of God, may the angels of God pull them in and draw them in in the name of Jesus. See, God is the one that anoints us. Pray for an anointed life. When you get up every day, bow before his presence. Jesus, I surrender. I surrender. Whatever you have my hands to do, would you anoint it? I don't want to do anything without you. God, I don't want to be independent of you. I don't want to think I know when I don't know because I've never been here before. Society's never been here before. America's never been here before. But God, I'm desperate for you. I need to be anointed in the days ahead. I need my ears anointed so I could hear that voice behind me that says, this is the way, walk in it. I need to know what I need to read in the word that day. I need to be able to be anointed so I can discern that you're quickening a word on the inside of me. I need anointed with wisdom and understanding. I need to be anointed so I can access the mind of Christ. I need the anointing that will destroy the yoke off of my life and that it would be so powerful. There would be an overflow on my life and my witness would not just be a religious, Jesus loves you. No, but it would be, you know what? Jesus is the answer to your life. That there would be a new level of boldness. There would be an anointing that would destroy the yoke and say, I'm not content with religion. I'm not content to let people think they're okay and leave them in their sin. But I need the kind of anointing that will wake the souls of men and women up here in Ridley, here in Delco, here in Springville, here in Media, in Montgomery County, in Jersey, wherever you live, in Delaware, wherever you're at, we need an anointing that will wake up the spiritually dead and anointing that will wake people up that think they're okay simply because they think they're okay. Our thoughts will deceive us. Did Jeremiah not cry out? Did he not say, the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things and who can know it? Your heart will deceive you. It'll lie to you. It'll tell you you're right when you're wrong. You better not be your own judge and jury. You better be somebody that cries out on uh, before God and, and fall out before him and say, God have mercy. I cannot change me. All of you people working on yourself at home, how is that working for you? The greatest revelation of my life was when I realized I can't change me. You know how many thousands of dollars I spent going to counselors, going to therapy, buying self-help books? What changes you is the presence of God and facing you. Facing those things 
that you will not subject to the anointing of God that will destroy the yoke of that thing off of your life. Man, I was trying to be a sweet little teacher. Folks, I guess it's just my anointing that I carry. I don't know what to tell you. But as I was thinking about those words, pandemic, here's the word that we know. The P, it's going to be, as you write it vertically, now I'm going to give you the words, P. I want you to write down promises. A, let's do audacious. Audacious. A-U-D-A-C-I-O-U-S. Audacious. N, notice. D, diligent. And this isn't going to like say anything, so you don't, you don't have to figure it out. No Vanna White here, nothing like that. All right, this, these are just some words of the Lord wants to build in us during this time of pandemic. D is diligent. E is endurance. M, maturity. Tell her to slow down. She's going too fast. D is diligent. E, endurance. M, maturity. I, identity. C, calling. Identity and calling. So you should have promises, audacious, notice, diligent, endurance, maturing, identity, and calling. And I believe that we need an anointing to live out each one of these things. Because the thing about a pandemic is all of a sudden things are no longer normal. And you find yourself adjusting to the new normal. And something about humanity, we always like to go back to what was rather than forging ahead and creating something new and pioneering what now is. I just said a mouthful there. Hopefully you got it. And so we, with the grace of God and as pioneers, have the ability to forge out a different life. You have often heard me say we are anointed for adversity. Have you not? I say that for a reason. For one, I heard it in my spirit, and I say that um, all the time. In fact, I've um, endured things in my life that are much harder than the last month of our life. Amen? I don't say that to gloat. There's people that have had it worse than me. I understand that. But there's something about if you've ever faced adversity in life, it built fortitude on the inside of you, and you got some guts, and you got some grit. You just have this like inner fortitude. You just, I don't know, it's just something rises up in you and you just can defy things. One of my prayers, because I read it in the Amplified, it said that, that he would harden us to circumstances. And I'm like, God, that's my prayer. Harden me to circumstances, but do not ever let me have a hard heart. Don't let me have a hard heart, but harden me to circumstances. You know, when things get really, really hard, I've, I, you know, I don't know if I'm right here. You, you judge it um, for your own self. I'm not saying you can adapt this. But when things get really, really hard and I don't think I can go on, and, I, and that little, like, that little whimper voice comes up in me like, won't you just quit? Just stop. Don't go on. You know what I do? It's like, I don't know. I just, like, I jump on that thing and I throat punch it. And I'm like, shut up. And then I take a step forward, and I'm like, defy it. Just defy it. It doesn't matter, like, if I'm cold and I'm freezing or if I'm stuck on a mountain and we had to go down seven miles, my foot's bleeding, and I was like, there's no way he can carry me down 14,000-foot mountain. So I looked at him because I realized there's pain either way. Pain long, pain quick. You choose your method. And I just said, I'm going to run down. I'll meet you at the bottom. 
my foot's bleeding, it's hurting, and I just took off seven and a half miles and I ran down that mountain because I'm gonna get the pain over with quick. And then I got to the end of the mountain, there was a bench there, I laid down and I passed out and I'm like, at that point, I don't care if I'm trafficked, I don't care if I knew, I mean, I was exhausted, my foot's bleeding, I could not wear a heel to church for four months after that because of how bad I messed up my foot. But I just have this thing about me, even with the emotional pain, when demons of oppression were screaming, suicide, 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 there's something in me that just stands up and I just begin to defy it. And I go against the thing. And I'm like, no, I will defy this thing. You know why? Because I am not afraid of adversity because all a trial ever does is define you. A trial demands that you stand up and identify yourself. And if Jesus could endure all of that, and he tells me I'm more than a conqueror, and if there's no circumstance that comes to my life that first hasn't touched the heart of God, then I don't know what it is. It could have been my upbringing. It could have been all the things I went through. But God built inside of me a fortitude, an inner, I don't know, it's like inner guts where you just will defy what's defying you because of the strength of heaven we're going to have to understand that in the days ahead that we will be anointed for adversity that we can't with every trial and tribulation that comes along freak out and lose our head why because God needs people that are anointed that have some internal fortitude and guts that he can stand in a place where everything's rocking and reeling and there's a storm and he knows you got some you got some guts about you. You have some grit about you so that his glory can move through you so that you are the voice of reason and you have the mind of Christ and you're able to, to go through it and to navigate it with the brilliance of that mind of Christ. I hope I'm making sense to you because as I read my Bible, what I see is the beginning of birth pains that Jesus said in Matthew 24. I had a couple kids, and I had them natural, took no drugs. It's a defying thing. Yeah, woo, yeah, that lets you know. There's a couple where I'm like, yeah, I did that too. I recall asking for an epidural because the pain was unbelievably intense. And now that I look back, I still owe my husband a punch because, you know, he's watching that machine. He'd be like, oh, oh, that's a good one. Woo, look at that, whoa, man, babe, wow. There it goes, there it goes. All I could think about was what made me ever make a baby with him. As soon as this contraction comes down, I am going to sucker punch him. I still owe my punch because, you know, they were coming so fast. I never got it. He did that with both kids. Like, see, he was like into the contractions, right? <laughs> see, I just distracted myself because I'm like, I do owe him like a really, really, really hard punch. But the thing about it, when I first started labor, it was not like that. I'm sitting at home like, oh, okay. All right. And I'm going and doing my couple hours later, you know, it's like, uh, just a little bit of birth pains. And then I kind of went into labor. I'm like, all right, yeah, I wasn't too bad. I can handle that. No, Braxton Hicks. It's not Braxton Hicks anymore. This, I believe, I'm really in labor. Start timing it. He's snoring. I'm just up. I'm breathing. I'm like, I'm walking. And then I'm grabbing. And I'm breathing. And I'm okay. And you get through it. You're like, yeah, I wasn't too bad. I can make it through. Then you walk a few more steps, and, 
And another one, I finally call somebody and they're like, whoa, all right, you probably should go in. I go in, I had done the majority of my labor at home. Three hours later, I have my daughter. But the reason I say the beginning of birth pains, because when it started that evening, I was on outreach, I was witnessing to people, and every now and then I'm like, oh, oh, I breathe through it, and I would witness. Well, about three, four, five in the morning, when those things, those contractions were coming, more frequent, all right, that labor wasn't the beginning of the birth pains, okay? So why do I say that? Matthew 24, Jesus lists all these things that are beginning to happen in the earth, and he says, but this is just the beginning of birth pains. And so, folks, that's why we've got to drill down into this thing in a pandemic and realize we've got to locate ourselves. We've got to begin to implement the word, and we have to allow him to build some traits on the inside of us so that we're the answer to the problem, that we come with solutions, that we're not losing our mind because we're really bound by fear and anxiety and torment because you will not be able to control the days ahead. You have to navigate through them with anointing. All right, I hope that helps you. Because the truth is we wouldn't be alive in this generation if we weren't called to this generation. We are literally anointed for adversity. We can live in the times just like these. And I believe with the covenant of God, that means free of fear, torment, and anxiety. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And when you say that, people go, But God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It's kind of like John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we say it, but we didn't hear it, and it's not on the inside of us. If he says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, then if you have a spirit of fear, who's hanging out? Exactly, the devil. We got to rise up. We got to do a little bit of a James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, which means you can't say what he says. You can't repeat the talking points. You can't, you can't be so filled with anxiety. Oh, no, if you go out, you're going to come back, and you're going to give it to me, and I'm going to die. Really? Don't think so in Jesus' name. And so I cancel out your death that you're speaking over your life in Jesus' name. Fear and torment, That's, that, that word panic is in the middle of pandemic. We are called not to, not to be bound by fear and phobia and panic attacks and anxiety. And I am just like you. If I would allow my mind, notice I said allow. Some of you have dogs that are more obedient than your own mind and thoughts. I don't know where that came from because I'm in the middle of helping train a puppy. I can let my mind go there. Are you kidding me? I am not superhuman. Jesus Christ does not wake me up and say, oh, dear one, beloved one, here is your coffee with your hazelnut creamer. Let's just go in my presence. No, I am just like you. I have flesh. I watch what I think the first moment I wake up. The devil's there to whisper to me, what about your parents? What about this person? What about that person? <sighs> My mind would be crazy if I would let it. The difference is I won't allow it. And when the devil comes and he keeps trying to torment me with fear, you know what? We just talk it out. Y'all know how I read the, read the Bible to the devil, right? I've demonstrated that. 
I just say, wait, in the name of Jesus, we're going to have a conversation in the presence of the throne room. And whatever he's tormenting me with, I speak it out. Father, this is what the slanderer, the accuser is saying. If he says, I'm going to die. Like when he did that, that whole attack to my husband, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Like you can't kill him unless God wants him. And I'm pretty sure God doesn't want him. I need him. And I have an assignment. And we were given a prophecy about life together. So it's out of time. You can't have him. And he's just sitting there. He'd wake me up. He'd wake me up. He'd wake me up. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not. No, you're not. So I finally just dragged that mess before the throne room. I said, Father, this is what the devil's saying. And when fear torments me, I sit there. And I'm like, all right. He says, I'm going to kill your husband. Okay, would that would be awful. Yes, we all agree. I mean, we don't even have to state the obvious. And I'm like, but would I survive? Yes. Would I like it? No. But would I survive? Yes. Would I get up and live again? Yes, eventually. Would I make it? Yes, because the promises of God are great. Would I see him again? Yes. And that would be two throat punches I would owe him. Would I go on and fulfill my destiny? Yes. And all of a sudden, you take the fangs out of the thing that he's tormenting you with. Because no matter what he's tormenting you with, fear, you've heard it, false evidence appearing real. Anxiety and fear comes to steal the peace of God. I just refuse to allow my mind to go there. I could think about the whole thing uh, because one thing I don't like to be is trapped. I don't like to be imprisoned. I don't like to feel imprisoned. And so I just sit there and go, well, if they ever torture me for my faith, if they ever put me in prison, I'm just training right now. Just a little space. I'm going to do the psychological work. Some of you probably think I'm crazy. I'm trying to tell you how to keep your brains in the midst of a trial. When your head goes, your fear, your blood pressure, everything goes with it. But if you can say no, either God said he's not giving me the spirit of fear or he didn't, but I know he did. Therefore, I will not fellowship with fear. I'll not think about this, this, and that. I will intercede for the people that have it. I will pray miraculous recoveries. I will pray God's mercy. I will pray his grace. But I'm not going to give way to fear, torment, and anxiety. See, we can't let the devil get into our ear, just like the shepherd. He would put that oil on the sheep so the lice wouldn't get in the ear and get inside and drive them crazy. If you are bound by fear and torment and anxiety, I love you, church, but let me tell you the truth. You're not spending enough time with the shepherd to get the oil on you so your mat is slick. That's why the lice or the devil's in your ear tormenting you. And I'm not saying that to be critical. I'm saying that to say, hey, get in the presence of God. Stop reading all the, all, all the articles. Stop thinking about all the people you're going to bury. Stop thinking about all of that. In the midst of a pandemic, ask the shepherd to anoint you so that the enemy cannot get in your ear. All right, let's look at, in the middle of a pandemic, what I believe can be built into our lives. Somebody must need that out there. Promises. What's a promise? A promise is a sacred word. My question to you would be, what scripture are you and your family hanging on to in the middle of this pandemic? As a church family, we're Psalm 91. 
And if you don't know that answer, well, you're either new to the gang or you haven't been paying attention. As a church family, it's Psalm 91, but what's your personal promise? What's the sacred word God has given you in this season? What scripture you and your family hanging on to? If you don't have one, ask him for one. And you hang on to that promise, that sacred word in the midst of this. Secondly, audacious. I believe it's a time that we become extremely bold, daring, and fearless in our witness and in our faith. Can you be a witness if you're persecuted, if everybody thinks you're weird? Will you be a witness? Can you be a witness now? If you are the one person going out of your house, going to the store, whatever, it's a perfect opportunity to witness. Now, I think what will help your witness be more effective is if you wore a mask, walking in love towards your neighbor, and being neighborly, walking in love toward them, because you don't want them to be fearful, I believe that they would listen to your witness as you try to comfort them. But it's an audacious faith. I believe that days are coming, that days that are ahead, that we must be audacious and bold in our faith and, and, and how we present the gospel, not shameful, not milly mouth, not, well, you know, may I suggest. No, but there will be an audacious, anointed, bold preaching and witness that will come forth from, I believe, the average Christian because every Christian is supposed to be that. In, notice, in this season, in this pandemic, are you noticing God? Are you considering him? Are you noticing yourself? Like it's real easy to notice others and that they're blinking loudly. But what are you doing that they wish you would do more silently? Are you more critical? Irritable? judgmental, sullen, angry. What have you noticed about yourself? Have you noticed you're too hard on yourself? Because let me tell you something. If you're critical of your family, if you're judgmental, if you're angry, if you're mean, if you're intolerable, if you're impatient, that's a mirror of how you are towards yourself. Maybe it's time that you go to the good shepherd and you let him put all that oil on your wool. Some of you, I pastor you, he's just going to get the shears out. We're just going to start over. Do you notice others? Do you notice that maybe they're hurting? That they need love, they need compassion, they need help? And I appreciate all the acts of love and acts of service from this house and all the things you guys are doing for one another. D is diligent. You got to pray for the spirit of diligence to come upon you. Something I'm personally doing and what I would encourage you to do, discern what you're supposed to be diligent about in this season. Do in this season what you couldn't do in any previous season that you can only do in this season, that must be done in this season. So do in this season what you couldn't do in any other season or any previous decision, season that you were in. But do in this season what can only be done, what is supposed to be done in this season. That takes diligence to do that. 
You know, you have to be able to tell yourself what to do if you're going to be a victorious Christian. If you can lie to yourself, Apostle Joe says this stuff all the time. If you can lie to yourself, you can lie to anybody. I heard him say one time, you know, if you can tell yourself what to do, you're a bad hombre. So that's what I tell myself. I'm like, all right, Trace, this is what we're going to do. You're going to be a bad hombre. You're going to get it done. You've got to be able to tell yourself what to do. So diligence, doing in this season what you couldn't do in a previous season, but you can only do in this season because it's going to be key in how you enter your next. What about endurance for the E? We know that the Bible says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. As I was thinking about endurance, it requires that wonderful fruit of the Spirit that I believe the Holy Spirit's using in this pandemic to bring forth in all of us, and that is the fruit of patience. And here's what the practical application, the characteristic of patience worked out is, the virtue of patience, is waiting with the right attitude. Patience is this. It's circumstances that you're forced to wait and you're not in control of. Can you have the right attitude when you're not in control? And can you wait with the right attitude and treat people good while you're waiting? Even when you're hangry. Okay. This will result in M, maturity. See, God loves his children, but the father craves sons and daughters. I loved my kids in every stage that they were in, but I really do enjoy their adulthood. We have a family text, you know, we're in touch every day, representing three states. We laugh, we share memories. It's a way to connect. I enjoy that I don't have to get them up. I mean, I did when I needed to. I was in that season, so I enjoyed it. But I appreciate that they're mature sons and daughters, that they know where the will is, they know this, they know that. They know all that stuff, all right? We trust them with a son and two daughters. It's the same thing with the father. This is a season where he wants us to become sons and daughters. He wants us to grow up in Christ and not pretend we're grown up, but to actually do the difficult work of growth understanding that there's grace involved. Please do not emerge out of this pandemic the same in Jesus' name. I don't ever want to waste a fight. Amen? This will result in I, identity, and I'm getting ready to close. Identity is your inheritance as a son and daughter, and it's the discovery of who you are in Christ. Children don't know who they are. Sons and daughters know whose they are. And from the essence of that relationship and that abiding, there's a confidence of whose son and whose daughter that they are. See, no matter where I'm at in, in this whole earth, I am the daughter of Billy Reese Peters. And if you don't know that, bless God, he will tell you I'm his daughter. I can go to Dollar General because you see that girl right there? That's my girl. She can preach. And he's giving them candy. And I mean, I look crazy. I just got back from the gym. But he's telling everybody, I'm his girl, I'm his daughter. His chest all puffed up. That's why God the Father is. He's wanting to show some of you off. And saying, that's my son, that's my daughter. 
See, identity is your inheritance. Jesus did everything at Calvary, and we spend the rest of our walk with God discovering our inheritance. Lastly, it's your calling. What does he have for you to do that is yours solely to do? And I'll give you a hint. It will always include souls. Nobody gets a narcissistic call to where they just look good. No. God puts his anointing on us to be attractive to others, to bring them to Christ. It's never about us. Our calling always has to do with souls. Ephesians 4.1 says I be, that, that he wants us to walk worthy of our calling. Jesus said, for this call, for this reason that I came, to seek and save that which is lost. Your calling always have souls connected and tied to it. I personally am called to stand in, 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 in the office of an elder of the fivefold ministry, and I, I have a job to do to equip and to train the saints of Christ and to grow them up, to, be, to help them to become sons and daughters. Some of you have calls to hospitality. Some of you have calls to evangelism, prison ministries, and street ministry. And, and some of you have calls uh, for giving and being financial entrepreneurs. I know people with that calling. Calls to intercession and praying. I mean, it is endless, the call of God, serving, leadership, administration. But every calling has to do with Christ. And so my encouragement to you is in this pandemic, don't let it go by where you're just wasting it, so to speak. But be transformed in the middle of a pandemic and realize that this pandemic is supposed to be a time where you and I emerge changed and growing and not full of fear, but understanding that we possess a powerful anointing that is needed during every moment in the COVID-19 or in this crisis. There's a powerful anointing present that we need not fear. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Teresa Verdecchio of New Destiny Christian Center. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.